0: asked him to pick a preacher that he would like to come and preach at his ordination service, and he picked Pastor John Barnes. And so Pastor Barnes, very graciously, has traveled down from New Hampshire today to be here with us, and he's um, uh, left his church family behind. I believe you guys had an afternoon service, is that correct? Yes, sir. So, but uh, wasn't able to be there there with them for that, left after the morning service to come down And be here with us very graciously. Pastor Barnes had the opportunity to teach uh, Mike at at International Baptist College down in New York. And has had uh, quite a bit of influence in his life. And the love that God has given them for each other is immense and strong. And the influence he's had on him has been very good. And we're thankful for that. Uh, Pastor Barnes and I have split up the time. And he is going to bring a challenge to the church and then I am going to bring a challenge to the one being ordained. And so, Pastor Barnes, if you'd come at this time and open up God's word and challenge our church. Let's give him a round of applause.
1: Thank you so much. It's a
0: joy to
1: be back at White Oak Baptist Church. How many of you remember our family? Have you remember of us? How many you've prayed much for us because we're a mess. All right, be honest. It's okay. Oh, mercy. I, I am just, my emotions are running the gamut. Um, with joy and honor, uh, just to be here, really. Uh, six years ago, well, of course, I've known the, the Peslak and go back a long ways. But some of you folks have been in the church for a while, and some of you may not know this. I'll just tell you this real fast. I want to get right to a, a challenge. I got 20 minutes. I can't sneeze and do it in less than 20 minutes. So I got to really get this going. But um, the um, but some of you may not, most of you may not know this, but. The first church that took us on for support when we started to start State Line Baptist Church was White Oak Baptist Church. Amen. And um, I contacted some friends. God called me to start a church. I've been in the ministry. God's been good to me. I thank the Lord. But I I contacted some friends. And at 44, God called me to do what I thought I was going to do in my 20s. And that would be to start churches, start a church. And uh, so Brother Peslak called me right away and said, I want you to come. And we were here in July of 2013, I think it was. I lose track of time, but. Um and the very first church took us on was White Oak Baptist Church. And uh love you folks dearly. And honest far more than financial support is the prayer. And there's no doubt about it. And uh so uh so that's from my heart and of course from my wife I say as well, um and our family, thank you for investing. A young man named Damien this morning uh got saved at State Line Baptist Church. And uh, and you folks had a part in that. You said I didn't even know about that. Well, if you've prayed for us and you invested, we're going to see something in the scriptures here tonight that I hope will be an encouragement to you folks as a church. But um, but uh, you had a part in that. You say, wow, I didn't even know that. <laughs> and uh, if you prayed and you invested in State Line Baptist Church, you had a part in that. And we run a minibus every Sunday now, and just about every young person and adult that's come to our church that comes on that bus has gotten saved in our church. And uh, many of them have gotten baptized, and others. And so we give God all the glory, but also we say thank you to you, as Paul said. You know, his desire was fruit that would abound to your account. And uh, so thank you so much. And of course, I do love the Mike Rivera. I love him very much. And and uh, I love that story he told about being a teenager playing basketball. Man, I would love to have been. I would, I'd love to play basketball with him. I would have, I would love to give him a clinic anytime just uh, for free. I wouldn't have charged him. I'm just kidding. But uh, but uh, I love that story. Praise the Lord for a friend that cared enough to tell him about Christ. Maybe some of you young people were listening there and maybe you can have the privilege to tell one of your friends about Jesus Christ. And maybe one day they'll step behind a pulpit and say, hey, my friend, your name told me about Jesus and I got saved. That's good stuff right there. And that's better than the PGA Championship going on around the other side of the water. I bet Paige Black right now. It don't matter anyways. His is going to cream him while he's so far ahead. But uh, <clears throat> you Bible scholars have no idea what I'm talking about right there. But uh, but anyway, so again, I, I do. My heart is just so filled with gratitude just to be here. I'm going to love Pastor Lejeune, and I'm so excited for him and his wife and them being here. Three years. Three years. It's amazing. They're going to Peru. You pray for them when they go to Peru. I got to give you young people some spending money. You need to you need to do some shopping while you're there. Do you want to get some like souvenirs and stuff like that? Matthew's looking at me like I don't know what to do. I'm gonna look at my dad, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you something. You you need you gotta you gotta You gotta buy something for you. Maybe get something even for your sister. No, maybe not. Okay, we'll go there. But uh, so good to see Matthew in April. Praise the Lord. This is a great place. This is a great place because this is Jesus' church, and Jesus is the master builder. He is, and uh, it's his church, but he's got a, he has a faithful under-shepherd here in this church. The church has a goodly heritage, and I'm not a know-it-all, but i of course, an over the Barry brown and, and so, again, for some of you that are like me, old-timers, if I could say that respectfully, uh, you, uh, you've seen the hand of God, you've seen the goodness of God. And at the same time, there's so much more that God wants to do, exceeding like abundantly above all that we ask or think. And so, please, would you direct your attention to the Book of Acts, please? Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. We're going to start there, and then we're going to take a little journey this evening. Oh, my land's very, very, very seldom do I not have three or four points that are alliterated. I don't feel like it has to ever be that way. I, I, please do not be nervous. I hope the preacher here will not be offended when I say to you, I don't even, I don't really have main points. That could be bad, good or it could be bad, but I know I've got a truth burning in my heart that I believe that can be a, an encouragement to the, to the church family here. So I want you to lock in and for these few minutes, and, and we'll all be blessed to hear this pastor a minister and prepare uh, this young man for the calling of God on his life. The Bible says in the book of Romans, that, uh, Romans eleven twenty nine, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. I got a text from a <clears throat> preacher friend of mine, Brother David Carlson. You probably know Brother Carlson faithful pastor in, pastor in Manchester, New Hampshire. He sent me a text. He said it was on this day, I think 30-something years ago, when God called him to preach. And he said the verse that God put on my heart was Romans 11:29. And I texted him back and said that's the same verse God put on my heart when God called me to preach. And the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. And and this is the calling of God on Brother Mike Rivera's life. And we're certainly excited for him and for Miss Rachel. And And by the way, <clears throat> tears, this is not at all the message, but but tears, tears, because of love and care, they, those are a good thing. I Heard a message years ago, the escape valve of the soul. And when God calls out the Rivera's, you there'll be some there'll be some tears when they leave. But those will be good tears. I was reading this afternoon while I was waiting to come here. I was reading about how Paul, when he left in the book of Acts or the end of the book of Acts, how the, the Bible says the people wept sore because they knew Paul was leaving and perhaps they would see him no longer. Now, I don't know if that's the case necessarily here with the Riveras, but, but, uh, the Bible says they wept sore. They just, you know, and by the way, that's just a, that's just what salvation does. It gives us, it gives us a greater reason to fellowship with one another just because of the fact that we like each other. There's a common bond because of salvation. And that's a wonderful thing. I wouldn't trade it for all that the world has, Hollywood. Let, let them have all that whatever. But salvation gives us a common bond that, that nothing can sever. And praise the Lord for that. And so, Acts chapter 13, and uh, let's look at a couple of verses here. And then I want us to, we're going to take a little journey through the book of Acts for a few minutes this evening. Let's start in verse 1. We'll read through verse 3. Probably this is familiar to many of you, but now there were in the church that was at Antioch. Certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas, and Saul for the work, where I until I have called them. Can I just say this real quick? There's no doubt about it. It is the Holy Spirit that impresses on the heart of any individual what God wants that individual to do in the local church. Every person in this room, if you're saved, you've been scripturally baptized, if you're part of this church here, the Holy Spirit desires to reveal to you what he wants you to do in the church. Say, so you don't understand. I'm not a deacon. I'm not a pastor. I know. I understand. You don't have to be a deacon or a pastor. If you're, if you've been saved, you've been baptized, you're a part of this church, the Holy Spirit desires to impress on your heart. I believe many of you understand that. And you find your role, not necessarily just a, a gift or a talent. You find where God wants you to serve. And, um, we're not saved to sit. We're saved to serve, you know, and we, God wants us. I say this so often in our church and other churches, but, um, I don't believe for a second that people are supposed to just attend church. I believe that every saved person ought to be actively engaged and involved in the local church. I believe that with all my heart, biblically, scripturally. And uh, so, so anyway, the Bible says there that the Holy Spirit said, separate me, Paul and Barnabas. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Barnabas and uh, Barnabas and Saul, who was, of course, Paul. And verse 3, and when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. The Bible says that's what they did, and that's what the preacher will do. He'll lead us in a few minutes and after he preaches on laying hands. How many of you would like to lay hands on Brother Mike Rivera? <laughs> and then, and now, don't think that way. That's not right. Yeah, that's got to forgive you for that spirit. And uh, But we're going to do it the right way. We're going to do it biblically. and and uh, And that's what they did. That's what they did. But the Bible says that they prayed. I want to talk to the church for a few minutes this evening about you have a very important role in Brother Mike Rivera's life. You have a huge responsibility. So, no, you don't understand. He's leaving. No, no, no. You still have a very, very tremendous responsibility in his life. Now, at the judgment seat of Christ, he will not be able to blame you for, by the way, you will not be judged for your sins at the judgment seat of Christ. You'll be judged for your works. Okay, y'all still with me? just nod. Throw it to me if you want. All right, I got to get through the message here, but you got to give me the impression you're, you're, you're paying attention. All right. But, uh But but he'll not be able to blame anybody else in judgment seat of Christ for what he lacked and say it's their fault. But I will submit to you that you still have a very important responsibility in his life and in his ministry. Say, what is that, preacher? I believe that the most important ministry you have, if not one of the most important, is the matter of prayer. The matter of prayer. You know, when a missionary comes and says to you, please pray for us, you ought to write that down somewhere as fast as you can so that you don't forget to pray for them. That's not just a cliche. I am a huge proponent in the power of prayer. You know why I am? Because God is. And if there if there is one thing that is lacking in the New Testament church, many times unfortunately in ours as well, is that we're not praying as we ought. I want you to see something just real quick in the Gospels, and then we'll come back to the book of Acts. Go to Luke 22, just real fast. Luke 22, the time is going to fly by on me here, but... Luke 22, I want you to notice what Jesus said here in verses 31 and 32. And then we're going to go back to the book of Acts. And we're going to see how prayer was a consistent thread line in the early days of the New Testament church. I'll probably say this again in a few minutes, but let me say, make this very clear to you. The church, White Oak Baptist Church, State Line Baptist Church, the church of 2019, is no more like the early New Testament church than when she is praying. Did you hear what I just said to you? We're no more like it. Listen, if we're not praying, we are not following the pattern of the early New Testament church. The early New Testament church was a praying church. They were a praying church. Notice this though. Look what Jesus said. I love this. Luke 22 and verses 31 and 32. And the Lord said, uh, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Look at what Jesus said in verse 32. But I have prayed for thee, That thy faith fail not, and then when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Can you imagine Jesus saying to somebody, as he said to Peter, "I am praying for you." Man, alive! I mean, just just kind of try to put yourself in that in that story, and Jesus saying to you, "I have prayed for you." And by the way, because he knew what he would do in his life and what he desired to do, and he knew he was going to use Peter. Peter didn't really understand it all, like you and I don't always understand it all. But can you imagine that? And can I just say this to you? It's not that Jesus is not walking on this earth today praying, but he's interceding for you and I right now on the right hand of the Father. And what a wonderful comfort that ought to be in your life uh, every single day. But think about how Jesus said that. Jesus said, I have prayed for thee. I have prayed for thee. I say this to our church. I, I, go ahead and go back to the book of Acts. Go to Acts chapter, uh, let's see. We're going to start in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. We're just going to take a journey for next 15 minutes or so, or, or so, 12, 15 minutes. And we're going to see the, the power of prayer in the early New Testament church. But I say this often in our church. And Folks, let me just, can I just, I'm just, I'm, I hope this will just remind you. I don't think I'm, I'm not saying anything new to you this evening. I don't really desire to say anything new. But, but let me just remind you of this. Let me tell you what I believe is a healthy church. A healthy church is when God's people come together on Sundays and on Wednesdays, when they can look a brother or sister in Christ in the eye, look them in the eye and say to them, brother or sister, good to see you, I've been praying for you this week. That's a healthy church. you understand one of the reasons why you ought to come together? One of the reasons why we ought to come together is so we can edify one another? Can I submit to you that there was nothing probably that made more of an impact on my life when I was a teenager growing up in Long Island, New York, then when my assistant came up, my assistant pastor came up to me, I just drove by the house yesterday on William Floyd Parkway when my pastor started the church. But when my assistant pastor, Dan Flowers, who now is in heaven, when he looked me in the eyes when I was a teenager, he said, John, I've been praying for you. Now church, look at me. I'm going to tell you something. That meant the world to me. Now that may not make sense to you. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I can tell my, I tell my boys, my four sons, every day, every day I text them and I tell them, I love you. I'm praying for you every day. But I never—I I don't feel sorry for me. God's been good to me. But I never heard that when I was a teenager, except from my assistant pastor, who, when I went to church, he said, "John, I have been praying for you. I promise you." That meant the world to me. I—I—I'm—I'm I, I'm getting the spirits of E.B.G.B.s, wherever those things are. Amen. Just just thinking again about that and the impact. And by the way, I believe he meant that. And you ought to be able to come together in God's house and look a brother or sister, or many of them, in the eyes and say, Brother or sister, I've been praying for you. We're not talking about being pious. We're not trying to be talking about, well, I don't want people to think. It. No, forget about what everybody just thinks. Just be real. Just do it and let, let let them know. Edify one another. What can you do better for somebody else in this room than pray and say, well, if you've got 20 bucks, I, I, no, I'm going to tell you something. Prayer is a lot more important than 20 bucks. Prayer changes lives. And hey, this is not the message, but prayer changes the prayer. In about a, in about a month, some of you will get that, you know, s- snail mail. Prayer changes the prayer. Prayer doesn't change God. God's unchangeable. Now, God chooses what he will do based on hearing and, and our prayers and answering them. We see it all through the Bible. But it doesn't change who God is. Uh, just just not Do something. Give me some sign of life out there. I'm going to call an ambulance. And make sure you come and got a pulse, all right? You're not nervous, are you? Are you okay? Do you believe in the power of prayer? Listen, we are helpless without a prayer. I'm not interested in just trying to be a a, a clean Baptist or just a religious person. I want to see the favor of God. I want to see the power of God in my life and in my family. When we started traveling, I might have said this when I was here, but one of my biggest prayer requests when we started traveling To start the church was that my children would see how big my God is. You know you know how God... You know one of the reasons why God did anything that God does. It's all God anyway. But you know We saw so many miracles. You know why? Because we prayed. We prayed. I've never felt like I've arrived in my prayer life. I've never felt like I'm I'm there yet. There's nothing in my life I'm more convicted about than my own prayer life. How about you? I want you to see the thread line. This was their lifeblood. Prayer. I had I wrote a statement down, but um, prayer meetings were the arteries of the early church. Through them, life sustaining power was derived. Prayer meetings were the arteries of the early church. Through them, life sustaining power was derived. Look, let's let's take this journey for a few minutes. Acts chapter one and verse fourteen, and the Bible says these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. With the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Women don't women don't underestimate the importance of you being a praying person. I think you know that. Amen. Look at verses 23 and 24 of chapter 1. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Lord, uh, thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen. There's nothing you can do more important than when you have to make a major decision than spend time in prayer. Not Google something. Hey, look at me, church. Not Google something. Not ask everybody else their opinion. You know what America is filled with? Polls about everything. What do you think about this? Hey, listen. Come to the place in your life where you don't care about opinions and polls. You care about getting a hold of God. They got a hold of God to get to, answer, to find answers for the decisions they need to make. Look at chapter 2 and verse 42. Chapter 2 and verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in what church? What's the next word, please? Prayers. Thank you. And in prayers. Look at chapter 3 and verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. Can I suggest to you, the early New Testament church believed it it behooved them to set up and structure specific times to pray. It doesn't mean that's the only time they prayed. We're going to see. I'm not going to have time to get through all of them in the book of Acts. There's no way possible. Uh, but but uh, they, there were several different times that were specific. One of the keys to success, not just success, I'm not bent on success, but one of the keys to faithfulness in your prayer life is scheduling a time and place. Scheduling a time and place. And there's so much can be said. Look at chapter 4 and verse 31. <clears throat> i got to move fast. I'm from New York. I'll sell you a car in about five minutes and you won't even know it. Here we go. Chapter 4 and verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. Prayer helps the church uh, to get a hold and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And it helps us to speak the word of God and be a witness. Why is the world full of bold sinners and fearful saints? Are you all listening? Why is our world filled with bold sinners and fearful saints? Are you getting this? Some of you all had too big of a dinner because like, uh-huh. Dude, this guy's have way too much coffee. So, deal with it. <laughs> All right, here we go. Chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 6. Here we go. We're moving on, church. We're looking at the early New Testament church. and We're seeing how important prayer was. Whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Again, we talked about that in chapter 13. This was such an important aspect. Not just laying on hands, but in the matter of prayer. Uh, chapter 10 and verse 9. Look at chapter 10 and verse 9. I'm not going to be able to get to all these. There's no way possible, unless somebody wants to stop the clock for me. Somebody hold back the dial, amen? Brother Vera. this is your chance to pray down the power of God, all right? Chapter 10, and verse 9. On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray. Here's a different time. About the sixth hour. Have you, ever, have you been interested in your life to find out why Paul made this statement, I think, 15 or 16 times, that we're to pray without ceasing? Does that, can I say this in a, not in an oppressive way, but does that bother you to an extent? What, what, what do you mean bother me? The fact that he said we should pray without ceasing and how are we doing? You know, some Christians about the only praying they do is barely for their food at best. It's no wonder why we're not seeing the power of God demonstrated. We don't need a progressive program. We need to follow the Bible pattern of getting back to prayer. Hello, and they were they were praying. I mean, listen, it was they made no bones about it. Uh, chapter uh, twelve and verse twelve, Acts chapter twelve and verse twelve. And the Bible says, "And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where they, many. Well, here it is, where many were gathered together praying. You probably heard about this, but at the college, they've had some more prayer meetings recently. I love it. It's awesome. My boys, my sons, some, a couple of my sons are in houses college, and boy, they're fired up. But you know, it's sad that most times you have a prayer meeting. It's one of the most. It's one of the least attended meetings of God's people. Do 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 do. Y'all okay? Why is that? Oh, they're just praying, really. Just praying. Can I tell you, as a teenager, growing up in Long Island, New York, when we had prayer time on Wednesday nights, and by the way, I'm just, this is me personally, I'm just going to tell you this. I, I frequented the altar almost every... And I'm, not tell, I'm not telling you to do this. You come to the altar because the Holy Spirit leads you. But I'm telling you something. I frequented the altar just about every single service, getting on my face, praying for my mama's salvation. By the way, she got saved when I was in Bible college. A whole nother story for another time. But when they asked for prayer requests on Wednesday night... You know one of the reasons why I went to church on Wednesday night? Because I wanted them to pray for my mom's salvation. Hey, y'all listening to me? We don't want God bad enough. We don't want God to do big things. Oh, we do. Yeah, I want God to do big things. Are you praying about it? Are you praying about it? Are you praying and fasting? Are you looking for this kind? That's the kind of praying that the early New Testament church did. They prayed. And the Bible says many gathered together. Many gathered together. Can I suggest that the pastor says, we need to have a prayer meeting. You might want to highlight that, asterisk it, draw an arrow to it. You might want to put that in your planner. You might want to give yourself a couple reminders. Hey, we need to have a prayer meeting. But I don't want to live my life always where I'm just, well, man, I'm at the bottom. Now what am I going to do? So now I'm going to pray. How about being so in tune with God that you say, God, it's me again. I know we talked this morning, but you already know about this, but something came up and we got to talk about this now. Say, preacher, that's weird. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not interested in weird. I'm interested in something real. I'm talking about, listen, church, you, you, your, your responsibility in their various lives, there's many other things. You just need to be faithful to the Lord. But one of them is, you need to commit yourself to prayer. To much prayer. My wife and I were talking the other day about this and I've just got about two more minutes. We said the other day, we were just, you know, just like day after day. Let me just say this to you about prayer. I've, I've said this in our church recently also, but I've said this many times in our church. I believe with all my heart that you ought to see answers to prayer every day of your life. Every day. Now, we have some things on the list that have been there for a long time. So we keep on praying about those things. But you ought to see answers to prayer every single day of your life. And it's almost the, we say, man, we say, I can't believe God did that. And then we're embarrassed that we would say that because God can do anything. You know, it's like, man, but yes, he's awesome. And, and I'm not talking about, you know, like you're going to be a millionaire because no, I'm not talking about any of that kind of mess. I'm talking about the, the early New Testament church. They, did, they just didn't know any different. They didn't learn any gadgets or new trinkets or new ways to, uh, to bring in the multitudes. They just knew there was something that was necessary. And they said, we got to pray. We got to pray. White Old Baptist Church, can I encourage you tonight to commit yourself to much prayer for the Reverers. And all your missionaries. You're sending them out. You have a huge responsibility. Ah, it's It's their business. They're following God's will. Yes, they are. But they're going out of this church. When we started State Line Baptist Church, I said to New England Baptist Church, the Barnes family is not starting State Line Baptist Church. I stood in front of New England Baptist Church and I said, you're starting State Line Baptist Church. Now, I wasn't trying to, re- to, try to get the burden off of myself as the under-shepherd. That's my responsibility. I'm the pastor. I'm not trying to pass the buck. You listening to me? But I said, New England Baptist Church, the Barnes family is not starting. New England Baptist Church is starting State Line Baptist Church. Folks, we need you to pray. And, and praise the Lord. Pray they did. We well, no, Baptist Church, let me encourage you to commit yourself to much prayer. I'm just going to tell you this. If you're going to do it, you're going to fight the daily routine of life to be a Christian that is committed to prayer. You heard me say this in your classes, Brother Vera, and then I'm done. I said this so many times. I didn't didn't make nothing up. But the busier you get serving God, the more you have to fight to spend time with God. And I believe that's true. I struggle with nothing more in my life. I'm not standing here as an expert. I'm I'm embarrassed. I'm convicted in my own heart. But God in His grace has allowed me to see Him do And by the way, He gets all the glory. All the glory. But in His grace, He has allowed me to see that He's a big God. And there's nothing impossible for Him. I'm not so sure they need anything else from you than for you to pray for them. And it would not be right for them to come back and visit. And you not be able to look them in the eyeballs and say to them, Boy, it's so good to see you. You ladies hug Miss Rachel. You men hug Brother Rivera, and don't get it all mixed up. Amen. <laughs> you hug them and you say, "Brother, man, I've been praying for you. So good to see you. I've been praying for you. Put yourself reminders everywhere you have to. If you need to, if you need God to bring about a major change in your life, may it be in this most important matter of your life of being somebody that truly is committed to prayer." Our church, this church, every church needs a reminder like this. We do because we're busy. But busyness is no substitute for finding that sacred, secret place and that quiet place and getting on our knees and saying, God, it's me. I need to talk to you about a lot of things. And sometimes it's so awesome that you don't even get to your list because you just want to tell your God how much you love him and how much you want to love him and be more faithful to him. Bible let me encourage you. Be a people that are committed. I believe he's committed to the call of God in his life. You be committed to the call of God in your life, and that is to be a praying people. A praying people, from the youngest to the oldest. Praying. Father, thank you for these few minutes. I'm honored, Lord, to serve with this dear pastor, to be again at this great church. I'm humbled. I'm, I, I'm literally honored to stand behind this pulpit. You know that, Lord. I'm, I don't deserve it. I'm reserved to front of my pulpit. The people that I serve and I love. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. But I see all through your word, God, that you fashioned this thing called life in such a way where you say, call unto me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things I know it's not. And perhaps, Lord, the biggest reason why we don't see you do great and mighty things is simply just because we're not praying. But may that not be true of White Oak Baptist Church. May these dear people commit themselves Too much prayer. In Jesus' name,
0: amen. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you so much, Pastor Barnes. And White Oak Baptist Church, I trust and hope that you will give your heart to praying for the Rivera's. And they're not going anywhere anytime soon. The day will come where they're commissioned out and they are no longer part of us. And uh, in the intermittent, let's pray for them now. Let's pray for them then. Let's just commit to lift them up in prayer regularly. My uh, my message is going to be directly to uh, Pastor Mike. I'm going to invite the rest of you to listen in as I speak to him and encourage him. Matthew chapter 20 in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 20, verse number 25. Thank you, Pastor Barnes, so much for that challenge from God's Word. A great reminder that we need to pray. Matthew 20, verse 25 says this, it says, but Jesus called them unto him. These are his disciples, future ministers, and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them and they that are great exercise authority upon them, but it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. My challenge to you this evening, Pastor Mike, is entitled this, The Proper Mindset of a Minister. The Proper Mindset of a Minister. Lord, I do pray that you take these few thoughts I've scribbled down. And You would etch them into Michael's heart. May he never turn away from Your Word. Oh Lord, the mindset that You've called him to have. I pray, Lord, that he would never turn back on his commitment to serve You with his life. Lord, I know Pastor Barnes and myself and many other seasoned Christians in this church have seen preachers quit. Walk away, throw in the towel, give up on their calling. Lord, I pray that Satan would never be able to get him because he would armor up every day. In Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen. I want to begin by talking about the heart of a minister. The heart of a minister. I do believe that one of the great crimes in churches across this country is the crime of men who take the position of a pastorate or take a position or a title in ministry. And God has not called them to that. Not just anybody can pastor. Not just anybody can serve in any particular role. God calls and equips and gives a heart that is enlarged, a heart that is meant to love on a level that is profound, on a level that the average person does not have. God has some things he wants uh, that there to always be in your heart. A mindset, a mentality, a heartbeat, an emotion that pleases God. Ephesians 5:18 says, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is uh, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit. God wants you to have a spirit-filled heart. Yesterday in your ordination council, you were asked what that means to be spirit filled. I don't need to take the time this evening to explain that because you so eloquently and carefully explained that it is a constant yielding of the flesh, a dying to the one's self daily in order to be spirit filled. But having the head knowledge of being spirit filled and living a life led by the Holy Spirit are two totally radically different things. There will be a battle every day you wake up and as you grow and climb in the ranks of service to God and His work, there will be a spiritual warfare that will be waged on you to distract you, to keep you from yielding yourself to the Lord through prayer and being filled with His Spirit. And this evening, I would remind you that uh, as you go and as you grow and as you serve, that you always wake up every morning and moment by moment during the day, you make sure that your heart is filled and yielded to the Spirit of God. The heart of a minister... A minister not only is spirit-filled, but he has a heart that is a soul-winning heart. Turn over to Matthew chapter 28 with me, if you will. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus has his disciples together. He has trained them. He's invested three and a half years of his life in them. And then an additional 40 days beyond that, he has uh, taught them all he can. He's He has filled their head with truth and he has challenged their heart. And now he's going to commission them. Verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Uh, Brother Barnes went through Acts uh uh, with us just a few minutes ago, and uh Acts chapter one, verse eight uh is a parallel to the end of the book of Matthew, and uh we know there that all power is given unto me in heaven and earth, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts. Of the Earth, God has called you as a minister to have a soul winner 's heart. Now, I do think it's fair to interject, not only to you, but to all the rest of those listening in tonight, that being a soul winner is not just for a pastor or an ordained minister. Being a soul winner is something God calls all of us to do. You ought to always have a gospel track in your pocket and look to be handing that out. You ought to always have a tender heart toward giving the gospel to those that are near you and with you. But Mike, I would say to you that if the pastor is not going, the ordained minister is not going to be a soul winner, then pray, tell me who will be. God has called you to have the heart of a minister, a spirit filled heart, a soul winning heart. Turn back over to Matthew chapter 20. And verse 25, and we'll notice a servant's heart. God has called you to have a servant's heart. There was a power struggle amongst the disciples. I wish I could tell you that in the minister world, the full-time Christian servant world, that that power struggle has ceased, but unfortunately it has not. Men jockey for position, they elbow each other in the mouth and step all over each other and put camps will put other camps down. And uh, the politics that are played amongst Baptist preachers at times is both disgusting and sick. I don't talk about it. Very often here because it doesn't need to be discussed, but speaking to you, Mike, and as you will travel to different areas and be involved in different ministries around the country, you will see this. God has not called you to jockey for position the way James and John got their mom involved to do. Uh, God says this in Matthew chapter 20 and verse number 27 and whosoever will be chief among you. Let him be your servant. Look at verse 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. It's fun to have a title. But a title of being a minister is a title and a call to be a servant. In God's work, the world's pyramid is flipped upside down. In the corporate world, you fight your way to the top. You will do anything necessary in the corporate world to step on other people and slander and, and push down and suck up, to work your way to the top so that you can hold the highest position and have everybody serve you. But in God's work, that triangle is turned upside down. And the pastor that sinks to the bottom, the minister that sinks to the bottom has the responsibility of serving all of those that God puts in front of him. If you ever grow to a place where you're not willing to scrub a toilet, then you've lost the heart of a minister. If you ever grow to a place where you're not willing to sweep a corner or set up a table and chair uh, or you're not willing to uh, clean up after uh, a child throws up in a hallway. Or you're not willing to go and do the most, uh, what would be labeled in scare quotes, mundane of tasks. My friend, you have lost the heart of a minister. I think Ron Hamilton put it so eloquently when he wrote the song, Make me a servant like you, dear Lord, living for others each day, humble and meek, helping the weak, loving in all that I say. Give me, Lord, a servant's heart. Here's my life. Take every part. What has God called you to do? He's called you to be a servant. I can't imagine what it was like for Jesus that night in the upper room. These eleven men, some of them were probably goofing off. Others were more serious about matters. Jesus' spirit was heavy. He knew that his time was drawing near and he would have to bear the sin of the world on his shoulders. Before Jesus would send Judas out to go betray him, Jesus would put on a loincloth. He would take a towel and a bowl of water and he would get down and wash his servants, his feet, the feet of his disciples. Jesus washed the feet of the man who would get up and betray him just a few hours later. Jesus lived, Matthew five forty four. But I say unto thee, love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you and despitefully use you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. The heart of a minister is a, has a spirit-filled heart, a soul-winning heart, a servant's heart. Letter D, notice a shepherd's heart. Turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 4. And I would encourage you, if you have not already, Mike, to study, read, time and time and time again, 1st, 2nd uh, Timothy and the book of Titus. They are, as you already know, the pastoral epistles. And uh, they will challenge you on how God wants you to be a minister. Look at 1st Timothy chapter 4. This fits in so well with Brother Barnes' message. Uh, look at verse 5. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Those are... Those are the litmus test for anything and everything that you do. Sanctified by the Word of God in prayer. Does it check out from God's Word? Does it check out in prayer? Look at verse 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine whereunto thou hast uh, uh, obtained. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. This is a faithful sir, sir, uh, uh, saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. What has God called you to be as a minister? He's called you to be a shepherd. In time, when you enroll into the army and you become an army chaplain, there are going to be soldiers that are put under your care. And while you won't be a military director over them, you will be assigned to be the shepherd of their of their souls, to, to share with them the gospel of salvation, to care for their spiritual needs. You must bear those every moment of every day. You must uh, take them to the the Lord in prayer. You must counsel them uh, to do what is right. The heart of a minister. Number two, I'd like to talk to you a moment about the hurt of a minister. The hurt of a minister. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter number 11 with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, I'm not going to stand up here this evening and pretend like being a pastor is the hardest job in the world, because there are a lot of jobs out there that are a lot harder than that of a minister. But I will say this, is that pastors and ministers are on the front lines spiritually. There is no other group of people that has a larger target on their back that Satan is shooting at than those that fit in the brotherhood of being ordained ministers to the gospel ministry. There is a phrase that says, new levels bring new devils. After tonight, you will enter a level of of your Christian life as you begin to pursue God in this way, where Satan will try to take you out on a whole another plane. He'll use friend and foe to try to do it. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Look with me, if you will, at verse number 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant and stripes above measure and prisons more frequent and deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned, thrice... I suffered shipwreck a night and a day I have been in the deep in journeyings often in perils of water in, in perils of, of robbers in perils by mine own countrymen in perils by the heathen in perils in the city in perils in the wilderness in perils in the sea in perils among false brethren in weariness and painfulness in watchings often in hunger and thirst in fastings often in cold and nakedness besides those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily the care of all the churches. Who is weak? Am I not weak? Who is offended? Am I not burnt out? Uh, am I uh, uh, and I burn not? If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. And Paul's answer to this was, "Is yes, being a minister means I'm going to suffer physically. Being a minister means I'm going to suffer emotionally. Being a minister means that I'm going to hurt, but I'm not going to take those hurts and grow bitter at God. I'm going to take those hurts, and I'm going." To glory in my infirmities because I am attaching myself to the Lord Jesus Christ and his suffering for me. Jesus is willing to go to a cross and die for you and minister to the need of your eternal soul. God will call you to hurt so that you can minister to others. He'll call you to vicariously suffer so that others can be set free. Never let that make you bitter. Never let that make you push ministry to the side and throw in the towel and quit. If you're going to enter the ministry, you need to know what you're getting yourself into. Being a minister means that you need to be prepared to be misunderstood. You need to be prepared to be mistreated. And you need to be prepared to be misrepresented. I promise you. You do this long enough, you will be misunderstood. You will mean the best. Someone will take it the opposite way. Someone is going to take your tender, loving care. And it seems to be those that you love the most and invest in the most, oftentimes turn around and stab you in the back the hardest. Be prepared for it. Don't throw in the towel and quit when it happens. The hurt of a minister. This is one of the reasons why Paul tells Timothy that this is not meant for novices. Number three, let's talk lastly a moment here about the help of a minister. The help of a minister. Turn to Genesis chapter 2 with me, if you will. Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 18. Here we find Adam in the Garden of Eden, he's been created. He's been given the responsibility of naming the animals and elephants and lions and sheep and goats and dogs and cats are walking by. And Mr. Cat's got a Mrs. Cat and Mr. Elephant has a Mrs. Elephant, but Mr. Adam doesn't have a Mrs. Adam. Look at chapter two, verse 18. And the Lord said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them into Adam to see who. What he would call them and whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and, the, and, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an helpmeet for him. Look down with me at verse number 22 in the, in the rib, which Lord God had taken for man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man, man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Verse 18 and verse 20 both describe the wife, the spouse, coming alongside as being a help meet. Help meet. For the last three years, it's been my pleasure to get to know you and Rachel. One of the first gripes I got from Rachel when I got here was, I want to be more involved in my husband's ministries. And to that I said, Amen, sister. We need to move things around and get you by his side. Rachel has spent many nights on a bus late at night dropping kids off. She's had many, many hours of going on long road trips. Sometimes road trips you guys didn't even want to take, but you sucked it up and you did it. So you could love on these teenagers and show them the love of God. God has given you a valuable wife who cares deeply for you. It's very obvious that Rachel loves you deeply. It's very obvious in my speaking with both of you that she is 100% for the future that God has for you. She knows, at least intellectually, she knows what you're getting into. And she has said, sign me up, I'm by your side. Mike, if you lose Rachel, you will lose your ministry. Never ever forget that your first ministry is Rachel. Not the soldiers in front of you. Not a church one day you may or may not serve in. Your first ministry is Rachel and any children that God prayerfully gives the two of you. You love her. You honor her. You cherish her. You treat her as your own. And you never, ever, ever put a ministry, any ministry, in front of the ministry of being a husband. The help of a minister. There will be times where, like Elijah, you feel out of balance. There will be times where the littlest things, the most petty things, seem insurmountable to overcome. What do you do in those times when that happens? Let me finish by talking about your help, not only being your spouse, but being your Savior. Turn over with me to Psalm chapter 28, verse 7. I finish the message here. Psalm 28, verse 7. we We'll Look at three verses in psalm. Quickly, I'll make a couple of comments. And we'll conclude the message here and move on to the next part of the service. Psalm 28, verse number 7. Is it trite, let me ask this question, is it trite to call God our help? Boy, I was thinking about this when I put this message together. And I thought, I don't help God. Or rather, God doesn't help me, I help God. But boy, David seemed to see it a little bit different. Look at Psalm 28, verse 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield my heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoiceth. With my song will I praise him. Turn over to 38:22. Chapter 38 verse number 22. Make haste to help me. O oh, Lord, My salvation. I remember the day as a small boy where I was in desperate need of salvation and God swooped down with His grace and He poured it all over me and He saved my soul. He helped me from an eternal condemnation of hell and placed my feet on the eternal path of heaven. And God not only saved me there, but He wants to be my help. He wants to be your help through every trouble and trial that you face. Turn over to chapter 63, verse 7. Chapter 63, verse 7. This might be, of all the verses we'll look at on this topic, this one might be the most profound. Look at chapter 63, verse 7. The Bible says, Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. Never stop walking with God. Never stop abiding beneath the wings of the shadow of the Almighty. It's there you will find your soul refreshed. Pastors get out of balance. It's happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to Pastor Barnes. Maybe he's a better man than me. Maybe it's never happened to him. I don't know. But there is service and there is worship. When you're worshiping more than you're serving become fat and lazy, and I mean spiritually. When you're working more than you're worshiping, you will burn out fast. You make sure that you take time to walk with God. The busier you get, the harder it's going to be. The busier you get, the more you need to pray, the more you need to spend time with God. You make sure you have seasons of prayer in your life and let God be your help. I hope the message this evening has been a great challenge to you. I hope you'll take these truths and hold them to your heart. Lord God, I pray tonight that you would help the church to commit to prayer. Yes, for the Rivera's. Yes, for this church's future. Lord, may we be people that pray. Seasons of prayer. Lives of prayer. prayer, uh, Praying that happens without ceasing. A spirit of prayer. Lord, it tragically is the case where Satan drops another minister, an ordained minister, on a regular basis. God, we beg that you would put your hedge of protection around Mike and his wife. Will you love them and help them to stay faithful to you for a lifetime of Christian service? Lord, will you help him as he goes forth and sees hundreds and thousands of lives changed?